Welcome back. We are on episode 78 of Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. We are going to do something amazing today. It's going to be Sean and I. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com, and we are at a minute that's, well, it's going to take us somewhere special. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Sean German of 5minutesofmime.com, and I'm here to take you to the credits. Oh my gosh. I don't know if that counts as someplace special, but uh, (laughs) yeah, so, so minute 78 starts with our... Our Japanese fanatics cheering as we see Ian towering over Janine uh, on the side of the stage. We end with Derek feels like a preserved moose. <laughs> and in between, we get a, we get the last performance of the movie. We get the credits starting to roll. And we get Marty questioning Derek's maturity. Yeah. So, yeah, so a little bit on... The beginning of the minute, the performance, I did a little bit of research since yesterday because there was some question about the authenticity of the jersey. Oh, right, right. That uh, that Nigel is wearing. And I kind of lean towards maybe it's not the real thing. Mm -hmm. You may have been onto something. I, I couldn't find anything definitive that said, you know, this is this is not a an authentic uh, Satahiro O Tokyo Giants jersey. But there are a couple things I noticed that probably the, in particular, the, the biggest one is the OH on the back for O mm-hmm. are very far apart, mm. which seemed unusual. And it's it's tough looking, kind of do research. At least it was tough for me to find the modern Giants jersey versus what would have been the actual jerseys that they were wearing, you know, in this period in, in the 80s. But they didn't have that kind of odd spacing that they, they do their jerseys like they do the jerseys in U.S. for for athletes. And if someone's got a short name, then it's just right in the middle. Gotcha. Whereas when they show the shot from behind Nigel, the it's almost like they did it on purpose because the um, his, like, guitar strap is down the middle of his back. Mm-hmm. And then the O and H are on either side. So you can kind of see them you know, on the side, you know, aside from the strap, that part didn't quite look, it didn't quite match the jerseys that I was able to find, you know, in the research I did. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. Well, just one of those little (laughs) details. Yeah. Just a little something that Brian noticed and you noticed and I noticed and we all kind of picked up on different, different stuff. But yeah, one of those little old details. Yeah. Yeah. Another... Yeah. I was going to say another little detail I noticed from the performance section is, so they've got the demon skull Mm -hmm. up on stage and the eyes are lighting up. Yeah, And I don't think we've seen that before for any of the performances that they've done so far. Oh, really? I thought way back in the beginning when we first saw that skull, maybe the first time that the lights, I do remember... It's seeming to have more bells and whistles mm-hmm. than at first glance. But, um, you know, yeah, maybe you're right. I'm not sure. I might have to go back to the beginning to see what happens. Let's forget it. Sean, let's just start this all over again. Nope, you know what? You're right. <laughs> you're right. I just, yeah, I quickly flipped back 
Yeah. To minute four, which is uh, when we were first introduced to the band and this very song tonight, we're going to rock you tonight. And they do. They've got lights in the eyes. There you go. Yeah, you were right. He lit up in the beginning and he's lighting up here for us at the end. <laughs> yeah, old- and he's working he's working better this time around than um when we when we saw him when Mick was still alive and well <laughs> in their final US performance of this tour. Mm-hmm. He's missing like one of his horns and I don't think his lights are lighting up, so he was kind of <laughs> a bit disheveled looking. Okay. So now he's so back in just- his full glory just like the rest of the band. There you go. They're born anew. Yes. Yeah, so we've seen yeah the we've seen the complete transformation from band to broken up band, and now they're they're back to being a band. The band's back together. Yes, and the cricket bat is well in hand. We've got Ian is back. He's kind of towering over Janine. She's sitting sitting down below, and he's sort of handling that bat a bit with a with a bit of panache. Yeah, so it's interesting. I found it interesting that Janine would come along. I would think that she wouldn't want, you know, just she would just wash her hands of it and be done with the whole thing. Be like, Nigel's coming back, Ian's coming back, fine. Then just wake me when it's over. Right. But apparently she, uh, maybe you know, maybe she feels she needs to keep an eye on things. Yeah, or maybe she's grown a little. I'd I'd like to think by, you know, by the end of a film like this that everybody's had a few growth spurts even if even if <laughs> even if our preserved moose says that they're, you know, they're yeah. kind of in a state of arrested development. We'd hope that there'd be a little bit of growth by by you know, really <laughs> the end of the movie proper. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it'd be nice to think maybe Janine is here taking care of hotels and lost luggage and that kind of thing. And then Ian is taking care of, you know, the business side of things. Maybe they found a way to work together. Although the, the look on Ian's face as he, you know, handles this cricket bat and he stands over Janine. I, I don't think Ian's grown. He is certainly, (laughs) he's certainly smug because he, you know, he worked this out. He got in touch with Nigel and I don't believe for a second they just happened to run into each other the way Nigel kind of proposed it at, you know, when he was meeting the band behind stage. He made sure he bumped into Nigel to kind of mention that, you know, Sex Farm was big in Japan. And then he kind of worked this thing. He got them back together. He's planned this tour. He's feeling full of himself. Yeah. But as well, we've seen, you know, what goes up can come down. Well, I like that we're leaving these gents at a high note, though. <laughs> it, yeah, that is nice. It is. It's it's nice to have a, a happy ending. Yeah, and so speaking of happy endings, but up bump the uh, we are here at almost the end of this podcast, and in this minute, we part way through the minute, we get the the final performance. You know, the guys are all ramped up, and we get to see Nigel. For, foist his flying V out towards the audience and get mm-hmm. his tongue action going and everybody. And we get this awesome finale. And then we get into the credits. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like the way they did that. And it gives us a little something to talk about. And we will talk yeah. a bit about the credits. But also there's sort of outtakes 
if you will, for this. And we start with, like we mentioned, the preserved moose. We get, we get a little bit more of that, that Derek interview. And uh, for the first time that I've ever noticed, we get a little, maybe a little reason why this didn't make the cut is that there's a bit of a camera jump. Like the camera kind of bobbles a bit up and down. And we don't really see that. And as much as this is a, we've talked ad nauseum about this having that documentary style and how this was one of the early versions of this documentary style movie or television show, like there are so many now, you don't see camera motions that that they did that, what did they call it a few years back, where it's like handheld and jittery and making people pass out or throw right. up because they're so all over the place. Like With it's real motion. steady. Yeah. All the motion. Yeah. And I don't know if they're still coming out as much, but there was a run of movies kind of following up on Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Where it Clo- wasn't- Cloverfield was that yeah. way too. Whereas, yeah, all held, handheld camera work and all jittery and, and stuff. But uh, that found footage thing was a big trend there for a while. Yes, yes. But yeah, this isn't found fitted, footage, found <laughs> footage, found footage. This is a, a well done documentary. By yes, Paul. mostly well done. I kind of got the feeling that maybe this was just the, uh, at this point, the cameraman was nodding in agreement. Ah. There's just a little, yeah. <laughs> for why the camera went up and down was just like, oh, good point, Derek. Just a little head nod. <laughs> yeah. Anything in particular about this Der- this little Derek spot? It always gives me a chuckle. Yeah. I don't know if we can read too much into it. If this is one of those things where he's trying to appear more philosophical or deeper than he is, because I don't, I don't see the difference. And maybe I'm just. I'm not on that level to to comprehend what Derek is laying down here. So Marty says, you know, is this, you know, being a, a musician, does that keep you in a state of arrested development? Does it keep you a child? And then what Derek says is that his his childhood is preserved on stage, like you know, like a preserved moose. So what's the difference between a, a preserved childhood and and the state of arrested development? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it seems like if he's saying if it's on stage, then that means when, or the way I take it is when he gets on stage, he's kind of back in this mm-hmm. childhood, like, and it's almost like it's preserved in amber. So you get to go hop up on stage and then, and then you're like, the amber is re- <laughs> moisturized or whatever, <laughs> rematerialized, yeah. and you get to be back in that world. And then when you're off stage, maybe you're in uh, more in, grounded in reality and, you know, paying the bills and doing all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I did catch that he, distinction. He's saying that it's it's up on – he's not saying that he's always a preserved moose. Yeah. He's just while he's playing that he feels like a preserved moose. So, but yeah, I always thought, what does that mean? Pres- what do you take? Because even now, as you and I are saying the word preserved moose <laughs> over and over again, I realized that I always imagined in the past, like a stuffed moose head, <laughs> like taxidermy up on the wall. But right. does he mean like a moose preserved in, you know, frozen <laughs> in ice? Or what is a preserved moose? I'm being vulnerable here, Sean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. Cause I, well, I kind of felt it was you go to a museum and there's taxidermy. There's a stuffed, preserved animal. Although he doesn't 
he does specify a national park. Okay. Whereas I think, you know, certainly if you go to a museum of natural history, you will see preserved animals. But if you go to a national park, wouldn't those be real live animals? Right. So when he says preserved, does he mean like just on a reserve of sorts? You know, like... Like a protected moose. Like a protected (laughs) (laughs) moose. It's possible. Ooh, no, that, well, then that would kind of make sense that the stage is sort of a protected area. Like if, if yeah. yeah, if he means preserved, like protected, like an area where the moose is protected from predators or for from hunters. Yeah. Kind of on stage is a place where the musicians can can be children and just play and they're protected from the realities of of adult life. Yeah. Oh, there I you like go. That. I like that. Hmm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Huh. So it's it's protected moose. Yeah. There so yeah, so <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how much deeper we want to go with uh, Yeah, yeah. With Derek here. <laughs> so he here we are in the yes, he's stomp, stomp, stomping chomping <laughs> on his pipe and the credits are beginning to roll and yeah, so do we want to talk about these these credits at all? Yeah, well, I don't know how much we <laughs> really need to talk about them for this minute, because right. it's directed by, we'll just say, Rob Reiner, okay? <laughs> We've heard this guy's we name before. We have mentioned him once or twice before. Written by Christopher Guest, Michael McKean. And the sorry, rest. <laughs> and the rest. No, just Harry like Sh- Gilligan's Isle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they get named, sometimes they're just and the rest. <laughs> yeah. You noticed yeah. that too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. Written by Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shear, and Rob Reiner. Yeah. So, yeah. all of our major guys, which we've pretty much talked about all of them practically every single minute you know yeah and so I, I don't I, really have anything to add to well, that I, i'll just i think we might have mentioned this briefly just a little bit of trivia about this particular credit and i don't know how show business works <laughs> but i guess <laughs> yeah. when they when you first start to make a movie you submit a list of your writers which were these four gentlemen at the end, they wanted to amend this. They wanted to include everyone because this was done through improvisation, that right. they just had that broad outline that really what we see has been written by all the actors who have been doing it. They wanted to amend the credits to give everyone writing credits, and the Writers Guild did not allow them to change the credit. So apparently there's a lot of rules. I've heard issues with... With directors getting credit and how they're promoted, and, and this is the only time I've heard about an issue with writers, but apparently there's a lot of rules around the unions involved with with industry filmmaking. Right. So that these, you know, these guys wanted to give everyone their proper credit, but they were restricted to uh, to just the main four. Yeah, so if you do want to look at all the people, you can go to IMDb, look up This Is Wild <laughs> look at everybody involved, and you'll see who they believe are the, the writers because, yeah, it was a collaborative. And, and now, you know, assuming that you're not just starting here with us at <laughs> minute um, 78, 78. 
that you're pretty familiar now with all these wonderful people and how great they were at working together and coming up with this such a time-tested movie and yeah formula that's been imitated but never reached this pinnacle and may may never really be so i'm glad i'm glad we picked this one sean this is a goodie (laughs) yeah you you picked well and it's (laughs) it may be just one of those things i know sometimes for example with the star wars movies like generally generally the older folks who saw the original trilogy when they came out those are their favorites but the people who are younger that saw the the prequels when they were in the theater and those are the first Star Wars movies, they saw that they prefer those because they saw them first out of this style of filmmaking. And this is the one I saw first and it's my favorite, but I don't think it's just my favorite because I saw it first. This was just, you know, lightning in a bottle, really yeah. just uh, amazing right out of the gate. Huzzah. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll get off my soapbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're preaching to the converted here, Sean. <laughs> you, yeah, if you've listened to uh, the 77 previous minutes of us discussing this movie, you may have a certain affection for it as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. Oh, were you going to say something? Uh, well, no, you say what you were going to say. <laughs> well, I was actually. I'm going to ask you, you said that you actually had a few more documentaries or rockumentaries, if you will, that you felt like you wanted to make sure got out as a recommendation. So do you want to mention a couple of those? Yeah, yeah, sure. So yeah, we, we've been asking our guests, we've got a lot of recommendations for uh, some great rockumentaries. And there were a couple that, that haven't come up yet that I thought were, were worthy additions that were worth seeking out. And the first one is not quite a, a documentary, but it's it's pretty close to it. And that is Wild Style. Wild Style from 1983. Mm-hmm. And it's an early 80s movie about uh, the early days of hip-hop culture in New York City. And it centers around a graffiti artist. And it shows different aspects of the culture that this graffiti artist comes in contact with. You've got, well, for, for folks that aren't familiar, the, the four pillars of hip-hop culture are the artists, uh, the DJs, the MCs, and the dancers, the, the B-boys. Wow. And we get little slices of, of all that in this movie. And in particular, we get a lot of people from that culture either playing themselves or playing loose versions of themselves. So it's not, you know, it's not a documentary. It's it's a it's a fictionary film, and it's got the narrative flow and kind of dialogue of a conventional film. But it's the the people involved are so close and involved with that community, and it comes through in the film that it it almost is a documentary. Um, it's at least it's a very accurate sort of period piece or um, sort of, well, I guess it's, I don't know if it's considered a period piece when it was made, it was kind of current culture then, you know, when it was made in 1983, but looking back on it now and just, you know, some of the people that are in it, the, the lead is played by Lee Quinones, who was a, a big graffiti artist in, in New York and not one of the taggers that just kind of scribble their name, you know, on a marker in a subway that would cover up the map so you could never see where you were going. But one of the real, you know, someone who's an artist who happens to work through graffiti, 
you know, not really someone who does graffiti kind of thing. But so, he, you know, he was a real life, real uh, artist. And, and he so he plays the lead. And some of the other folks in the movie are um, names you might have heard if, if you're into hip hop or, or rap or certainly that early 80s culture. Fab Five Freddy, Grandmaster Flash. You got the, the Cold Crush Brothers, the Manhattan Rocksteady crew. Cool uh, Modi is in the movie, DJ AJ. Um, and just, you know, a bunch of other people that were, were living it, were creating it, you know, creating that culture that, that becomes, you know, we got, you know, Con- Kanye and Kendrick and, and, you know, the other folks that are around today. This is kind of the birth of that culture and where it started. A really interesting movie, really entertaining, I think just as a movie, but then also interest, in, interesting from just the historical point of view of, of them capturing just that place and that time. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. I haven't seen it in a while, but I do remember enjoying it. So good job there, Sean. Yeah, thanks. And then uh, on, a, on a similar tip, uh, oh, no no pun intended, <laughs> but, <laughs> but going forward, uh, my, my second documentary, or if you will, rockumentary, is Beats, Rhymes, and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest. Oh, cool. And this is uh, a, a 2011 documentary. And this was particularly interesting. And I kind of, I thought of this very early and it was holding on to it and just waiting to see like, okay, is one of the guests, is someone going to mention it? Someone going to mention it? No one mentioned it. So I'm mentioning it. It parallels Spinal Tap in that it's, it's a fan of the band who's in show business. So it was directed by Mike, Michael Rappaport, mm. who is a real life fan of this band, A Tribe Called Quest, the same way Marty was a fan of of Spinal Tap, and he decides to to follow them on tour. So, like Marty follows Spinal Tap around, this uh, you know it, it, it documents. I I think, well, yeah, it would have been the last tour of the full band, a tribe called Quest. And I know that they've uh, there's the tribe has gotten a new album out within the past few months, and I think they've I don't know if it's a full tour, but they've done some dates, some shows, but it's not. It's not all the original members. So it, it doesn't have the happy ending that that Spinal Tap has. But it's again, it's an interesting parallel in terms of uh, sort of an aging band. This is, um, I mean, it's, yeah, actually, they probably would have been around Spinal Tap's age. Yeah. So it's, it's similar in terms of the, the stage of the career mm-hmm. that that tribe is at. Versus Spinal Tap. I mean, they're not. I don't know if they hit quite the lows. I don't know if anyone's you know playing their their old stuff on the radio and saying they're in the where are they now file. But right, right. Certainly, they're they're not the hot new thing anymore. They're they're a little bit of the elder state state statesman state statesman. statesman. <laughs> they're a little bit of the elder statesman of their genre at this point. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's an impassioned fan who wants to document the group that he loves and follows them on tour. And, you know, I think it's a good movie. And then um, I am a little biased. I think I've, I've mentioned a tribe called quest at least a time or two previously in the podcast. So I'm a fan of their music and certainly, so if, if you are a fan of tribe or um, hip hop, you'll particularly enjoy it. But if you're just a fan of, of documentaries, I think you'll enjoy it as well. And awesome. that's a uh, beats rhymes in life by Michael Rappaport. Sweet. Yeah. I definitely want to watch that one. I uh, yeah. I like Tribe called I Quest would, quite a I bit. I'd say so. check it out. Yeah. 
Sweet. Well, is there anything else we want to talk about today or should we wrap up um, minute 78, episode 78? And we'll be, you know, heading on into more credits here as we move on for our final, final minutes. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that wraps it up for minute 78. Sweet. Well, you know where to find us, everybody. <laughs> Type the word Spinal Tap Minute into uh, your favorite um, search engine and find us all over the place. That's that's what I'm going to say today. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's uh, so that'll wrap it up for Minute 78. Please come back and join us again for Minute 79. But until next time, and so say all of us. Tap, Tap into, into America. America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the big deal? There's a half a dozen different sitcoms that are doing the same thing in terms of that the faux documentary style. But it's they really uh they weren't the first, but I think it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>